Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we were seeing, fill us up, pour us out, and send us out. Father, we invite you and say, come, as we behold you in your word this morning, that we will become in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, yeah, this is the last bit of it, but not the last, because from here on we move into action. If we haven't started acting, now we start acting. EN Act is Every Nation in Action, was a five-week series, and we have had four installments so far, and today, this morning, we're looking at the church filled with compassion, going out and touching the poor. That is like the church going out. We talked about praying, about giving, about the church, uh, also rallying behind those that are being persecuted. And now we want to go out and touch the needy. So blessed by the testimony this morning and just the initiative of We Care, because this is what we're talking about this morning. So thank you for that springboard. Now I'm not here, I'm over here. All right, what we want to get out of this sermon this morning is that we'll be so inspired, so burning in our hearts that we would not want to remain seated or that we will not want to remain ourselves. We would want to share and pour our own selves out to those that are in need. Are we okay with that? So, um, we see this series was based in the book of Acts. So most of the times, as Christians, as believers, we make reference to the book of Acts because it is a church that is so desired. It is the church that was known for many, many wonderful things. And if we look at the book of Acts, do we see that happening in our own families, meaning in this church? Do we see that happening in the greater body of Christ? That means the church around us, the church in Venduk, the church in Namibia. Do we see that happening? So you may answer and say yes, or you say, so, you say no, because you've had your experiences of the church. And your desire is far-fetched from what we see in the book of Acts. So let's see if we'll be inspired to move from where we are to what was happening in the early church. So to attempt to answer this, we're just going to go through the church growth in the book of Acts very quickly. Chapter 1 talked about the promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is when Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, talking to his disciples. In verse 14 particularly, I want to highlight, it says, they all joined together constantly in prayer, and at the time there were just about 120 believers. So, how many are we this morning? Probably 120, let's take it as such. And I believe by the time we finish, we will have moved to Acts chapter 2, verse 41, where we're going to grow to 3,000 new believers. Can we trust God for 3,000? 3,000. So in chapter 2, it's talking about the promised gift of the Holy Spirit manifesting in the form of tongues and manifesting also in the form of fire, right? Because it appeared like tongues of fire over their head when the Holy Spirit came. And they began to speak in different tongues. So 
Chapter 1 was the promise. Chapter 2 was the manifestation. And what we see there also in verses 45 and 46 is that um, they had everything in common and they sold and shared as people had needs. That is the highlight that we pick up from that chapter. In chapter 3, it talked about the healing of the lamb person and Peter preaching the gospel in the temple courts. That was when he was walking up with John and there was a leper that was asking for, for money and they said, we don't have that, but what I have I can give you. And what he got, he got more than what he bargained for or he got more than the need that he needed. And he, didn't, he even forgot about the money because he moved from a place of needy to a place of worship. And that's what we're talking about, moving somebody from where they were to a much better place so that they don't continue being needy. This is what happened here. In chapter 4, from the beginning, it talks about the accounts of Peter and John facing opposition for preaching the gospel. And um, they were even in prison. They were jailed for a night because when that was discovered, it was in the evening. You know, don't do mischievous things on a Friday because you have a weekend before anybody talks to you. Until Monday, that's when somebody will approach you to say, what was happening on Friday? And that time you've been like two days in prison. So this is what happened to John and, and, and Peter. We also see the church praying together for the mission. They prayed for Peter and John and they prayed for the gospel to be preached with boldness. And that is what happened from chapter 4. So what were they doing? Recap. They joined together in prayer. They received teaching. They spent their time in the apostles' teaching. Breaking of bread. They had fellowship together. And then many wonders and signs followed them or were performed by the apostles. And why is it so? We go back to chapter 1. God says, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you will be filled with power. So they started doing miracles because God had empowered them. Does that look like us? Surely it does look like us. Lorraine just shared a testimony of a wonderful, I think one of the things, I, I don't know whether I missed it now, you saying actually before the whole had grown bigger, and that's when the miracle happened. Because it's like her faith had to be moved from the place of like, wow, it was a tiny crack, now it's locker, and now it is sealed. That is wonders. All right. So, as all these things is happening, what is the outcome? What starts to happen in the life of the believers? So what um, you will notice here is that these people were one in heart. They gathered together. So they valued fellowship. And naturally what happens is they start to feel for one another. So they were filled with compassion. Remember, Galatians talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it says one of them is kindness. And that's what we see, the compassion. Because with the Spirit of God that came upon them, they were filled with compassion. And that is to have mercy, to feel sympathy, or to have pity. So this is what had started to happen. They were moved with the compassion of God for the sake of the brother that was in need among them. Do we believe that? Do we see that? So, what we will note here is that they would not do what they were doing without knowing. How would they know that I have to sell my house 
or my property. It's because the need was identified and the lack was identified. And therefore, everybody felt like, Aish, man, my brother needs help. And they sold what they had to share. Do we see how compassion works? Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 4 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So the scripture is charging us here that we are to consider others more than we consider ourselves. And as we're doing that, it puts on us humility that it is not our self-gratification. We were talking about restoration with dignity. Because if I want to just restore, I'm be like, tech, 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 tech. Can you see what I'm doing? These people are coming back to life. And there's no dignity in doing that. The handouts don't necessarily show dignity. It covers the need now, but it does not speak to the soul. So really, when we were preparing, we were just discussing about it to say, when we look at poverty, when we say people are poor, Jesus talked about the, po the people that are poor in spirit. So that does not discriminate the rich or the poor. If you're poor, you're poor. Whether you have enough or you have lack. So that was so profound for me to say, where does it start? It starts with the heart. It starts with the compassion. As compassion and mercy centers, take center. It doesn't matter. Hilda was saying, you, you, you bring the person not at that level, but here. So as you're dealing with the person that is needy, it's not because they are needy, but it's because they are needy. When the Bible says here in Acts that they had everything in common, that means there was nobody that was over here. It's like we were together. Whether you are in need or not, we are together. We are at the same level. So this is um, uh, um, very key that we take note of. Um, what we also see here when we draw from the life of Jesus, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, um, particularly in 36 days, it says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Jesus' heart is not to see anybody going astray. In the book of Acts, he has appointed people. And when there was a lack, if we read further, even in Acts chapter 4, it's because there was a gap in the leadership. They had to elect another leader to take a place off. Uh, was it Judas that had fallen off? It's because there was a need. People needed to be led. Are we good? So, And it continues in verse 37, it says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Because out there, the people are not only poor materially, but the poor in spirit, the poor at heart. So it's very important that we get the compassion to balance the two. What I have, I can give you. What you're asking for, I don't have. Therefore, stand up and walk. That was the words of Peter. Because he was balancing the need that was there 
and bring in the person. And that person went there. And actually, I would say, these are the, this is the guy that exposed Peter and, 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 and John. Because it was like, yeah, and everybody can see this person has been a leper, has been seated the whole time. So compassion, we also see in Matthew chapter 20, verse 21, the story of the two blind men. It says, as they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him, and there were two blind men sitting by the roadside when they heard that Jesus was passing by. They shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd chided them to be silent, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called, called them, what do you want me to do for you? He asked, Lord, they answered, let our eyes be opened. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and at once they received their sight and followed him. So the very center of what we see here is that it starts with compassion. So many of the stories that we can draw from the life of Jesus, it, does, it starts with he felt pity. He had mercy. He felt compassion then. Because compassion now compels us to go. Compassion is an attribute of God, and as we behold God, we become compassionate. And compassion is an action word. Wikipedia says compassion motivates people to go out of their way to help the physical, mental, or emotional pains of another and themselves. I don't know whether Wikipedia is a, a, is a believer, but uh, this qualifies because it says out of their way. That means compassion is selfless. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. And while we go in there, when we look at Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 to 40, and that is the great commandment. We know the story when the expert teacher of the law was trying to trick or challenge or... Um, just to see what Jesus will say. They asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered in 37 that, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And in verse 39, he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So what we get there is the central theme that flows in the Bible is love. Love the Lord. We will come to that later. Acts chapter 2 verse 44 says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Um, in, verse, in chapter 4 verse 32 to 37, it says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the cells and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. What we see in these churches, they had one position. And in their position or in their belief, I believe it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. It was not only something, it was not just an act of kindness that they were doing. Because today, 
we get very few testimonies of somebody who got a donation of a house or a donation of a car. Nah. Very few testimonies. But yet we also know many people that have like 10, 20 houses across the city that have been put out on rent and that means there's a lot of money coming in from those properties. So we're not teaching here that people should sell all those properties. That's not what we're teaching because God loves a cheerful giver. And it starts with what moves God. If it's moving your heart, it's going to be nothing. So these guys here, the Bible says the Spirit of God was powerfully at work in them all. So we may qualify that word powerfully and say, is the Spirit of God not powerfully working in the church today? And if it is so, why? I will not answer that question this morning. We can expand on that in the Connect Groups. Um, so what we drawing out here is that these folks were one at heart. They were one in mind, they had everything in common, and they shared everything. Are we sharing anything with our neighbors? And it means they were united in faith, and they were united in their practice, because this was a common practice. When you read further in chapter 5, you, talk the, you, you find the story of Sapphira and Ananias um, that were united in heart. And what happened is because they were on a tangent and they didn't fully subscribe to what they were doing in Acts chapter 4. And um, they all performed the same duties and they observed the same commands. And they had the same strong affection for one another. That's why they were able to sell their property until nobody was in need. So... What we notice here is that it took a community of believers to reach the needs of those that are in lack. It was not like one person. Because when it came in the pool, it was no longer Godfrey's house that was sold. It became the money that was available for the needy. Because the Bible says it was brought by the apostles' feet and then they distributed. So I believe it was allowed to accumulate while the need statistics or the need survey is being taken and distributed accordingly until nobody was in lack. And I believe there was a lot of honesty that there was no holding from these people to say, I want, but I want more. Because needs were being met, which I believe it was, it was not wants being met. All right? Are you believing with me on that one? So we're highlighting that they had something in common. That is their religious value, and that is what identified them. If they were to go in another city, it's like this group of people would still have done the same, I believe. And they would have been identified as like, age those people. Because they have an identity. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 2 says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being the same mind, by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. So as we're standing here or as we're seated here this morning, 
What is our purpose as a church? Because if we are to be of the same mind, there's a lot of things we wouldn't be talking about. They would start to flow naturally. If we were of the same heart, there's a lot of these things that would just start to flow naturally. So, after hearing all this, what shall we do? Look at your neighbor and ask them, are you in need? And it's a question, so it needs an answer. So, and, and I just want to challenge you. If you got a yes, don't explain what the need is. But if you got a yes, would you care after the service to just grab a hand of that person and say, what was the need? We were talking about a register, that a register will be set up at the back there. Because if we don't start to relate to one another, and if not humble enough to speak to a fellow brother, if we're not vulnerable enough to say, you know, they're going to think I am like here, then we're not one in mind, we're not one in heart. We're not the same. Do we believe that? So can we do that as one practical exercise? So the needs of the people was not accidentally met because it was known. Let's read in John chapter 1, verse 3. First John chapter 3, verse 17. I'm reading from the New Living uh, 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 Translation, and that I think is uh, NIV. I found this interesting because it says, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? So, shows no compassion. That means show is something that is almost tangible. Compassion is something that is tangible. That's why I said compassion is an action word. Because if I don't show, how would you show compassion? That means like something must be felt. It's either I must sympathize with the person and encourage the person and bring them up and restore hope, or I must meet the need. Can we see that? If somebody tells you a very sad story, it's like, oh, I hear you, and you walk away. What does that mean? Are you showing compassion? You're not showing compassion. So it means I need to take an action and pay attention intently. And if I can't, I must listen. And if I can't say anything, I don't have words, I must walk with you. At least let's say, where were you going? Let me walk with you. Or what was happening? Can I come along? Even if you don't have anything to give. Or even if you're short of words, because many of us, we, don't have the, we can't pick the right words when somebody comes and starts to pour down their emotions. You're like, now what? <laughs> so, but paying attention and showing care is an action. All right. So, where do we start? It starts here at home. It starts here at home. In this very church, in this very city, or rather in this very suburb. Because do we know the needs of this very location where our church is situated? Because if Dorado Park is not transformed and we are here, we are failing. If, for example, Dorado Park becomes the highest statistics of drug 
use on alcohol, prostitutes, it means the church is failing. So it means if I go in that church, probably 90% will be addicts. Because the church will be counted in Dorado Park. When they say Dorado Park, it includes the church. So it starts here. And where does it actually start? It starts in our hearts as we sit here together. Amen? So our spiritual family becomes very key that we do not neglect them. Participate in outreaches. And outreaches will expose you to the real needs out there. Because here we're comfortable. We have Godfrey preaching to you. And after that, you say it was a powerful, a wonderful, great message. Um, you go home, your kids will ask you what was being preached at church. Very few can articulate what was preached. Besides that, it was a powerful message. But as you go on the outreach, you will see that, you know what? Acts chapter 1 was talking about devoting ourselves to prayer. And as they came together, they were empowered. They went out and they preached the gospel with boldness. And they met the needs of the people out there. How are you going to do that if you are just at home? Visit or worship from time to time our church in the Babylon Settlement Victory or the Central Hospital because there are real needs there. I'm not saying we don't have needs here, but that will expose you to the real needs. From time to time, I take my kids, we drive like to Danfield and I show them the houses. It's like somebody's living in this house and you... You're living in that bed, in that comfy with the lighting McQueen beddings. Somebody's living in a shack. So that is just to show them that there is a need to be met. I'm not saying I want you to live here. But I'm saying what you are seeing, you know, you have to find a solution. Many of the business people, they say that go and find a problem, then you go solve it, and then the money will follow you. And then we say, hey, how did these people make the money? Because it's inevitable. As you're meeting the needs, it's the law of demand and supply. So that is another, that one you can pay, for, uh, pay me later. I'll invoice you on that tip. Uh, and also participate in the activities that are around. In our Victory Church, we have a soup kitchen for the elderly, the kindergarten, the support the child initiative that was shared here. Some of you are already participating in that. Thank you very much. And also provide shelter where there's a need. Amen? So as we conclude, um, we do church because there is a need. The Bible says that it is the people that are sick that needs help. If you are okay, why do you need to go to a doctor? If you are okay mentally, why do you need a psych Is it a psychiatrist or a psychologist? One of those two. Because they deal with their mind, I suppose, all of them. So if you are in need of a loan to buy a car or a house, where do you go? You go to the bank. And what is the church here for? The church is here to meet the spiritual need. He's also here to meet the emotional need. He's also here to meet the physical need. Hence the initiative of we care. And that is not going to happen 
if our hearts are not in the right place. It's not going to happen if we don't have love in our hearts. So, what we see in Scripture from chapter 1 is that we prayed together. We have intercession on Mondays. We pray together. We have intercessions on Sundays. We pray together. We have the services. We pray together. And we have connects all over the city, although some suburbs not covered yet, so we want to see more connect groups. The church spreading out across the city. We also see people giving. Scripture says they had everything in common, united by the vision to see a transformed society. Because if that is our vision as a church, that at least has to unite us. If our heart is not in the right place in terms of compassion, they say, I can't go to the hospital. Can you give a lift to somebody that doesn't have taxi money that wants to go to the hospital and wait for them in the parking lot until they are done with the business and then give them a ride home? And let's see how long you're going to do that, being in the parking lot. I'm sure the Lord will touch you. Because those guys in the hospital, especially those ones that feel better, they don't stay there. I'm sure you will notice a need around you. All right? Chapter 2 to 4 talks about them sharing and distributing everything. May we stand, please. The church is hereby called to make a tangible impact in the lives of the people and the community it operates in. We cannot go back to Rocky Crest for Nelson and myself and live in the Dorado Park people struggling. It's almost like we're just using their land, if you would put it that way. We're just here to do service. My community, in this case, we will expand it to the city. We cannot just have church every Sunday and have connect every day of the week while the city is going to decay. In all areas, emotions, spiritual, physical, the church must become relevant. The central theme of the gospel is love, is compassion is kindness. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave, meaning he poured himself out to the world. And the world here is the afflicted souls, the impoverished souls of those that are poor in spirit, that whosoever believes in him will not die, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life is restoring life from the life of decay. Those that were going astray, finding eternal life. God was administering reconciliation and want to see everything as he had purposed it to be from the very beginning when he created man. And in Dorado, particularly every nation Dorado, may we be identified according to Isaiah chapter 58, which says, if you pour yourself out, for the hungry and satisfy the needs of afflicted souls. Then your light will rise in darkness 
and your night will be like noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in past places. And they will strengthen your bones, and you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters will never fail. And your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations, and people will call you repairer of broken walls, the restorer of streets to live in. We pray this morning, God, that we're going to be people that will be moved with compassion. We're going to be people that will go out and see decay restored and see souls that are heading to hell restored to life in the name of Jesus. We pray, Father God, that you will fill us up. And as you're filling us up, you will pour us out to the community, even among ourselves to those that are in need, that, Father God, will be like the church in Acts, that among us, no one will be in need in the name of Jesus. So we pray, O oh Holy Spirit, that you will change our hearts, you will touch our hearts, you will fill us with your grace, the grace to count ourselves less as you counted your son less by sending him. And we really thank him for his obedience to die on the cross so we may have life in the name of Jesus. We pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.